I'm going to finish up our short trip through the Psalms. We are now in the Psalm, very appropriately, I think, and very much just right. A Psalm that magnifies the Word of God. A Psalm that gives us tonight four eternal facts from this one chapter. It's a long chapter. It's a long chapter in the Psalms. It's the longest chapter in the Psalms. It has, as a look at this, 170, whoa, is it true? Yes, it is true. 176 verses in this long Psalm. This Psalm is a good Psalm to end the year on because we try to emphasize in every service in every class the bible the word of god and so we're going to end this part of our study in the psalms with an emphasis and a focus on the bible and there are four things you want to remember four facts that you may know already but four facts to remember and it comes from psalm chapter 119 i made four columns and i wrote down as i read through the psalm 119 I wrote down under each column verses under a heading. I found four major headings as I read through Psalm 119. And these are things that are not new. These are things to know for sure and remind yourself about. All right, first of all, under my first column that I wrote down, I found this from reading the Psalms, Psalm 119. The first column I have down is from verse number 68. We will look at the verses, at least most of the verses, and we will look at the four things that are true and will always be true from Psalm 119. The first one is found in verse number 68. Verse number 68. Verse number 68 says, Thou art good, and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. All right, verse 68 tells us, Thou art good, and doest good. God, number one, God is good. The character of God is the first thing in my first column. The character of God from Psalm 119, God is good. Very plainly, God is good. And because He is good, He does good things. Not only does He do, he do, not only does he do good things, he, is, he, he does good things for His children especially. Two things to say about this. Number one, he does good generally to everyone. He reigns in the just and the unjust. People who don't deserve goodness still are treated in a very good way by God, in a general sense. We all have air to breathe. We all have rain. We all have sunshine. We all can enjoy the things of God's creation. So a lot of good things. We all are able to have a brain that can function and we have a body that can move about freely without even thinking. Many things like that. So God is always good because... And he does good things because he is good. The character of God we find in this psalm is that he is good. Look at verse number 90. Verse number 90. There's another characteristic of God from this chapter. Verse number 90. It says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. All right. The next thing you see very obviously from verse number 90 is that God is not only good, but God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And because he is faithful, 
you can depend upon his promises you can depend upon what he said you can depend upon um, if you trust in him he will take care of everything now can you think of some things in which God has been good to you and he has been merciful to you in 2022 if you were to stop and think for about 15 minutes of all the things that prove to you once again that God is faithful and he has done some good things for you what would they be could you, could you verbalize some things that God has showed you in 2012, 22, that he has been faithful to you or that he has been good to you? Now stop and think. Stop and think. Stop writing. Just stop and think. Think to yourself in, in this right here. Under this hair, under the skin, is a thing called a brain. Okay, now in your brain, think about at least one thing in which you can say, yes, God has been good to me. Can you think of just one thing? You want to say it? Well, just think about it first. Can you think of one thing? Can you think of one thing in which you can say, yes, God has been faithful to me. To someone else, you can think about, yeah, but what about to you? Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you in just one thing for each one? Probably so. Can you think of two things? You know, the song says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. One of the good things about being thankful is you stop being so grumpy. You stop being so grouchy. You stop being so ungrateful. You stop complaining about what you don't have and how come and why not. How, you, you, you stop thinking like that when you stop to think about how good God is and how faithful he has been to you. So just think about one thing. Now, would you like to say something about how God has been good to you or how he's been faithful to you? There is, there is a time, there is a time to speak up. There is a time to give a testimony. There's a time to testify because it'll help someone else to say, you know, yes, it is true. And people get kind of within themselves and they feel kind of like God's not good to me or there are no blessings I can point to in 2022 when really there are some things so could you verbalize one thing or two things alright the little 10 year old says one good thing that God did in 2022 was that Chick-fil-A came to Hawaii. I guess that's important. Are there other good things he has done? He gave David a yes. safe birth and he uh -huh. answered a ton of prayers for David's heart situation. Right. David is doing so well. Yeah, amen. That's a big, big... God was yeah. good. God was faithful. That's major. That's major. Were there other things that are major or minor? Minor meaning lesser in the, the gravity of an issue. There's got to be got to be something you can say, God has been good to me. He's been faithful to me. need to learn to speak up once in a while. This is a good time to do that. But don't let me force you to do that. If you are shy and you are quiet, okay, fine. 
But there's got to be a time when you get excited about something. Your team won. <laughs> or you got something that you really hope for and you're excited about that. Okay, those are normal things. Just remember, the character of God is seen in Psalm 119. He has been, he has been revealed as he is good and he is faithful. And then look at verse 137. Something else about the Bible revealing what God is like in his character and in his attribute, his moral character, his moral attribute. Psalm 119, verse 137. Here's what it says. Righteous, righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Isn't it funny how the verses are telling us something about who God is, what he's like, and what he does because of what he's like and because of who he is? So because he is righteous, and then his, his judgments are upright. That makes sense. Because he is good, he does good things. Because he is righteous, he does upright judgments. That's pretty good. That tells you a lot about, don't you wish that you had upright people, righteous people in their, in their person, in their character, so that when they make judgments, when they make decisions, it'll be upright as well. It'll be consistent to their character. So God has been shown in this Psalm that he is righteous. Look at verse 156. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Great are thy tender... Now here's, here's something about God you find from Psalm 118 alone. God is good, He is faithful, He is righteous, and He is merciful. Those are four big things about God you should be happy about and thankful that this is the kind of God that you, you have uh, been saved from by and uh, who, how he treats you. Merciful. Not only is he righteous, but he's merciful. It's a good thing he is balanced because if he is only righteousness and he had no mercy, he had no grace, where would we all be? Well, we, we hate to think where we would be, but God is very balanced in his character. And we find this from the Psalm 119. Now here's something else I found in my list of characteristics about truth from the Bible, four of them, one, two, three, four, uh, sorry, five. Five things I saw, five things. The second thing is the support of God, the support of God for his people. The support of God for his people. After that, I'm gonna show you the strength, the strength to be clean. And then I'll also show you tonight the source of your happiness. And then another one, the fifth one, is the condition for blessings. So number one, the character of God, sandwiched between the other sea, the condition of blessings, is now the support of God. In other words, because of who God is, He supports you or He helps you. He, he helps you in this lifetime. Uh, another way of saying this is that there are benefits for you if you believe in the Lord. There are benefits for you if you believe in the Bible. Now, we cannot just be intellectual in our agreement with what the Bible says in its doctrine or in its history or in its truth. You have to realize that there are benefits to you because this is the nature of the Bible and the nature of belonging to the Lord is that you benefit from that relationship. Isn't it true that if you have good parents, then you benefit from their good parenting? Yes. The reverse is true. If you have horrible parents, they have no character. They have no responsibility. Children, unfortunately, they suffer 
because their parents are so careless, so irresponsible. Uh, they have no concern for their children. Everything's about themselves. But if you've got good parents, you benefit from, from that relationship. Likewise, if you know the Lord, you are supported by Him. In other words, you benefit from Him being good, being merciful, being righteous, things like that. So number, number two, you have support from God or the support of God. Uh, look at verse number 28. Verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Do you know that the verses we will look at, many of them speak of David's grief, David's struggle with the enemy. Sometimes it was Saul, sometimes it was others, sometimes it was himself. Sometimes it was collateral damage that caused him to suffer grief. And he says here, my soul melted for heaviness. Now, the lesson to learn so far from that one verse 28 is that even the Christian, now there are no Christians in the Old Testament, but by devotion, by application, even Christians today in the New Testament, you can be totally right with the Lord and be on good spiritual ground with the Lord have a good walk with him and you still can experience and feel that your soul is so wiped out so much so that it is melting because of the heaviness that you carry. That doesn't mean the Lord has abandoned you or he has forsaken you. It may mean a lot of things. Whatever those lot of things are, uh, why someone feels heaviness and his heart or his soul is melting, you never want to forget that you can be strengthened by his word. The Lord is the source of your uh, uh, strength and support from God. Look at verse number 20, uh, verse number 50. <laughs> verse number 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. You have support from the Lord. He quickens you by his word, and he gives you comfort by his word. Look at verse 61. The bands of the wicked have robbed me. But I have not forgotten thy law. That's a great verse. Now, in verse number 92, it says this. Verse 92. Unless thy law hath been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. One more verse, verse 107. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord according unto thy word. Now, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 more verses under this one point about you have support from God to help you through your times of heart melting, uh, being oppressed, being attacked, and all these kind of things that go on in someone's life and heart. But you can find support from, from God because He is there to help us because He is a good God. He's a merciful God. Now, you folks who are only one-dimensional. All you care about is sound doctrine. You realize that that's only one part of being a good Christian is having sound doctrine. The other part is knowing the nature of God, the character of God, and the different parts of Him in which you are to become more godlike in your growth. And as you become more godlike in your growth, you learn to have these empathies for other people who are going through some really difficult times. Like God has pity for us because He knows we're just dust. And he is merciful to us because we are not like him. 
and we need help all the time, and He can support us. He can lift us up. Let me look at another verse, 109, verse 109. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. Next verse. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. You find from these two verses, verses 110 and verse 111, that though the writer of the psalm, though David is so surrounded by the enemy, he feels so helpless, he feels like this is it, he still does not forget God's word. He still remembers his precepts. Look at verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield, I hope in the government. Thou art my hiding place and my shield, I hope in their... I hope in the government's handout. Another stimulus check. Ah, oh, no, no, no. He says, I hope in thy word. So no matter what the situation, the condition that David is in, he's always, as a human, feeling overwhelmed, but then he always looks up. When he looks around, he's overwhelmed. When he looks up, he feels like there is hope. Good lesson for us today. Good lesson for us as we look to the new year. We always look up. Look at verse 134. Deliver me from the oppression of man. So I will keep thy precepts. 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Now some people would say, you know, if you're spiritual, you don't have trouble and anguish. Job had trouble and anguish. He was a spiritual man. He had trouble and anguish. Do not believe what you see on TV and what you hear online, where if you are in God's favor, you'll never have trouble and anguish. No, no, not true at all. This man, David, wrote, I, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. It's grabbed him. It's come from behind him. He runs from it. It runs, it catches up to him and tackles him. What a good image that is. It runs and tackles him to the ground. Trouble and anguish has got a hold of him. It has tackled him. It's like a quarterback being sacked. If you can use this as an imagery, uh, the writer here is a quarterback. The ball is snapped. And the defensive linemen are, are trying to sack him. Trouble and anguish, a tackle and a linebacker, a safety. They're blitzing. And trouble and anguish have taken hold of me. They have sacked me. But he says, thy commandments are my delights. You understand, I hope you do, that the Lord can support you through the experiences of your life. And you also understand that you should not abandon God just because you have trouble and anguish. You should not forsake him because you feel forsaken. You should not stop following him because you feel like no one is walking with you and holding your hand or helping you. That would be something the devil likes to do to some Christians when he discourages them and they're going through some heavy burdens and carrying some heavy loads. They feel like, oh, I prayed, nothing happened. I prayed again and nothing happened. And I prayed three times and four times and six times and there was no relief for my problems. Well, the temptation is to feel like you need to just try a different plan, take a different remedy, a different pill, a different drug or something. But really, you should just stay right where you are and then keep looking to his statutes. He says, I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always. Keep his word always in front of you and keep walking toward that. Remember the wise men, they followed a star. Keep following your star, which is the Bible. 
keep following your star, the Bible. Don't take your eyes off of it, even though the leading of the star might be here and there, up and down, in and out. Uh, a couple weeks ago, for maybe a, a week, Likiliki Tunnel was without lights. Now, you know that the tunnel is dark, even with lights on. And so, when the lights are out, which happened last week, you go through it with your lights on, your regular beams, it's like you're not even having any lights on. It's so dark. You put on your high beams, and that helps. But if you're there by yourself going through the Wilson Tunnel, when the lights are out, it's just dark. It's a funny sensation. And when people go through dark periods in their life, there's a tendency to panic. Just turn on your lights and keep following your light. Because if you follow your headlights, it'll take you safely out of that tunnel into daylight. Now, the Lord is there to support you, the support of God. The third thing you find from this chapter, if you were to put in columns, besides the character of God, the support of God, you find the strength to be clean. The strength to be clean. Look at verse 1. Psalm 119, verse number 1. The strength to be clean. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Alright, so there is, there is the undefiled. The undefiled. Look at verse number 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Verse 1. There's people who are undefiled. There's people who do no iniquity. Now, what is defilement? What is defilement? Defilement, the word itself, does not sound very pleasant. It sounds like, ugh. It's like abomination. It makes you feel like, ugh. So, defilement, look it up. Defilement, it is something that is unrighteous, immoral, something that is wrong. Uh, the first time you find defilement is in Genesis chapter 34, when Shechem defiled Dinah. And he was very immoral. An immoral act was performed by Shechem. He was very evil and he caused Dinah to be defiled. So defilement always is something about ruining something good. Corrupting something that is good. Something that is holy becomes stained because of the sin of someone. Uh, in Leviticus you have the Old Testament law for the nation of Israel. And you have defilements that come from different things. Touching a corpse, a dead animal, a dead person. Idolatry is defilement. Blending hate and worship uh, with uh, worshiping God. That is defilement of the land. Uh, making conflict with familiar spirits. Infidelity to marriage vows. These are all things that defile the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. And these are things that make something good, not good. Something that is pure, impure, or not pure. There's something that stains or soils, something that is white. Um, now, I like eating spaghetti, but when I eat spaghetti, i got to change my white t-shirt or some kind of white shirt to something that's kind of red. I know it's going to happen. When you slurp up that spaghetti noodles, you get it all over your shirt. This shirt is perfect to eat spaghetti with. <laughs> you can't tell when i got all the spaghetti splattered all over me. But uh, if you have a white shirt and then eat spaghetti, What's all those red dots over there? That's spaghetti. Ah, uh, you. You should have put the napkin right over here. Well, uh, that's in a small way explaining something that is defiled. It has been stained. It has been sorted. It has been ruined. It has been brought down a couple of notches. It has, it has brought something that was once clean to be not so clean. Now, the Word of God is a restraining factor, a motivating factor, 
to keep someone from defilement. Now, what are some ways, not from the Bible, that can cause someone to not do something wrong? What are some restraints or motivations that keeps people from doing wrong? Let's think about life in general. Let's take an employer-employee situation. You're the employee, employee, you work for someone. What are some restraints on you that keep you from defiling or, or, or not following your job, doing your job? What are some of those things? Well, the fear of getting penalized, the fear of losing your job, that's a deterrent. It is something that restrains you from doing wrong so you don't soul something. You have that, the fear of losing your job, the fear of punishment, uh, loss of a position, a job, uh, fear of social shaming. That's a motivation for someone to not defile himself in a context of work, employment, social status. Well, the reader, the Christian, is kept clean from impurities from defiling himself because they walk in the law of the Lord. They practice what the Bible says. So it is a deterrent for a Christian to do wrong by him practicing what the Bible says. The strength to be clean is found in the Bible in the book of Psalm. Now look at chapter 9, uh, chapter, verse number 9. Psalm 119, verse number 9. The Bible gives you strength to be clean, to stay clean. Verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man, well, that could also be a young woman, that could also be a senior citizen, it could be anybody. Wherewithal shall a young man, how, 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 not Indian how, how, <laughs> but how, by what method, by what tactic, how is it possible, how shall a young man, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man stay clean? How can he avoid being defiled by a, an evil and a corrupt generation? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Can you have a verse more straightforward and more powerful and more direct and more makes so much sense than that verse? Look at verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And then look at verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, verse 9, 10, 11 gives you the strength to be undefiled in this world. Undefiled. Christianity in general has a very low moral standard. Christianity, Christianity in general has a very low, low standard for what they consider to be defilement. According to the Bible, keep the young man from ever getting defiled. If he has been defiled, keep him from getting defiled again. So it would be nice if everyone does not get defiled, but Sometimes uh, it would happen, but when that happens, it does not repeat itself. So, 
the strength to be clean, the strength to be undefiled. I like it when I make something on the stove. I like to make scrambled eggs. I make good scrambled eggs. I make good omelets. Nothing else, but I make good omelets. I like making pancakes. I enjoy making pancakes. Um, I like making fried rice. I'll, I'll, I'll just enjoy, I like it. I like doing those things, but I like it better when, now we have flies sometimes come from somewhere. I don't want to come from. I think they come from the bottomless pit myself, flies. <laughs> they come around and I don't like when flies land on my food. I like tuna with mayonnaise with onion. I like Costco's albacore tuna, the best tuna around. And I like to put onions in it and then cayenne pepper so that my wife don't eat it because she doesn't like anything hot. I keep all the tuna to myself. I mix it up and I make my tuna sandwich. I make my tuna with um, tortillas or with rice. Oh, so good. Anyway, I don't like it when it's sitting here on the counter and flies come around and, and then land on my tuna. Oh, I hate that. They land on my tuna and then they, somehow they can tell when you come. And you go for the fly store, they can tell. And when you get the, go for the fly store, they take off. And they buzz around, they tease you, they stick the tone at you, those nasty flies. And so you whack at them, and somehow they always get away. But when you hit them, boy, it feels so good. You smack them, and they fall like that, and they do that. <laughs> it is such a good, satisfactory feeling of success and achievement when you kill those nasty flies. But when the flies get on top of food, you know, flies are all kind of bad stuff. They fly around and touch this, touch that. It's like uh, they carry all this stuff, these germs with them. So they went from the garbage can to your tuna. Uh, they went from the garbage can to your spaghetti. Uh, they went from your garbage can to your cookies. Oh, and then they went on the lip of your glass, your drinking glass. Oh, and they walked around, and they stepped all over the thing, and they just they just want to make it a hard time for humans. And then they fly over like, hey, 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 and boy, you know, they have to file something good. You know, the Lord wants young people to stay free from defilement. Now, what is the way that God recommends and says it can be done? By hiding His Word in your heart. By taking heed thereto according to thy word, verse number nine. Taking heed according to his word. That means you pay attention to it, you read it, you take it as a warning, you look at the consequence, and you say, Oh, not me, not me, not I'm not gonna go down that road because God says he will punish, and I don't want to be punished. I'd rather I'd rather go through life without punishment from God and chastisement from him. So I will avoid being in a position of getting chastised because I don't want pain of getting chastised by God and so I would not defile myself myself oh boy what a good scripture here uh, the strength to be clean the strength to be undefiled look at verse 101 verse 101 I have refrained I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Now, verse 101 goes along with the verses we just looked at. How we don't have to be defiled. Now, God can do a lot of good restoring 
you know that program, This Old House, some of it is new builds, some of it is restoring old houses. Well, God can restore your house, your life, but it's even better if you don't have to have any restoration work done. Cavities, oh, cavities. Having to do major oral surgery is not something you wish for at Christmas. Or ever. It's better to keep it all in good shape. Uh, the, the routines of flossing and brushing, it's so boring. It is so, so easy to overlook. But if you keep up with it, they say, it might be true, it might be true, but if you keep up with the, the hygiene of your, 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 your teeth, you may not have to face unnecessary oral surgery. That would be a good thing. So the Bible, the Bible pushes and advocates for people to not have to be defiled so that God doesn't have to chastise them or go through the process of purging and cleaning and restoring and all those things that he has to do. And so you keep his word in your heart so you will not sin against him. That is the true and the best way for anyone to be undefiled, restraining yourself, not going there, not think that. Not even playing with that. Not even being around that crowd of people. And the Proverbs has other examples of how people who are void of understanding and going down to a place they shouldn't go. They did not refrain from going down there and they got defiled. And actually bad things happened. Even more than just defiled. Okay. Now, um, so verse number 101. Did I look at that one? Yes, I did. But there is a personal responsibility in verse 101 to... Uh, receive God's strength to be clean and that is being responsible to avoid temptations I have refrained now the next thing the next thing the character of God is seen in 119th Psalm the support of God to help us through each day they have the strength to be clean from this Psalm and then we have the source of my happiness the source of happiness and I have to put in there the source of my happiness which means to you the source of your happiness. Now look at Psalm 119, verse number 1. Back up to verse number 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walked in the law of the Lord. Now go back to the first Psalm, the first Psalm, which would be Psalm chapter... Wow, what about that? I should be a detective. The first Psalm, Psalm 1. Look at how it begins. Psalm 1. Blessed, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, if you go back to Psalm 119, verse number 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. So, in Psalm 1.1, the man who is blessed does not go to a certain direction. In Psalm 119, verse number 1. The man who is blessed, he walks in the right way. So you have this truth about where you go, where your feet take you, where your heart takes you. The source of your happiness, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to do the right thing according to the Bible if you hope to have happiness in your life. Now, look at verse number 1 of Psalm 119. Again, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. How are they blessed? How are they made happy? They don't walk in the they walk in the law of the Lord. They walk in the law of the Lord. Now, look at verse 14. 
I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. The source of happiness comes from, according to this writer David, it comes from him loving the Bible. Look at verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight. My delight. Now, keep that word in mind, delight, delight. And then you have in verse 14, rejoice. Now, keep going with me, verse 24. Thy testimonies are also my delight, verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Look at verse 47. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 54. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of thy pilgrims. Pilgrimage. Oh, this man is happy because there's something in his heart. He's delighting in the word of God. Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. You see that exclamation mark there? How would you say that if that was you saying that? How would you say, oh, how I love thy law, Timothy? How would you say that if you're excited about that? How would you say it? Say it. No, no, that's not very, uh, that's being shy. But uh, how would you say it if you're not shy about this? Can someone say? How would you oh, say that? Oh, how I love thy law. That's a little bit more believable. How would you say it? Oh, how I love thy law. He says with an exclamation mark, oh, how I love thy law. Oh, I, I just, I, let me tell you. I love, you don't just say, my testimony is I love the law of God. And you sit down. Well, that's not very convincing. It's like you're made to sit up. You sat in the tack and you sit straight up. No, no. He says, with enthusiasm, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So you find here the source of his happiness is he loves the Bible. He loves the Bible. Look at verse 90, uh, 103. 103. Here's what it says about the Bible. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. He is just very in touch with the Bible. Look at verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above, oh no, oh no, oh no. I don't mean O-N-O, -O, I mean O-H and then N-O. Oh no, oh no. Therefore, I love thy commandments above, this precious metal called gold. Yay! Above fine gold. Oh boy. He just is so happy and he is so enthusiastic and he's so he is so real about what he loves. He loves the Bible. Look at verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. Oh, what a what a graphic picture. I open my mouth. You ever see birds being fed by its mother in a nest? You can see down to their belly. And the, the mother comes with a worm, it comes with a lizard, it comes with a gecko, it comes with a cow, and uh, and then feeds it, stuff it, stuff it down its mouth. And the bird just takes just takes the whole thing down. That's to express the hunger and the desire to get what mama has for them. I open my mouth and panted like a dog. For I longed, I longed. How would you express I long? I just can't wait. Oh, I just can't wait. I just something coming up next week. Oh, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. 
just queen. Waiting for something to happen next spin. Nice spin. Oh, I just queen. Gonna go down school. She get some shaved ice. Oh man, I just can't wait. I can't even sleep. I just can't wait for shaved ice. Or oh, I just can't wait for Christmas. Or oh, I just can't wait till I'm 15. Or oh, I just can't wait till I'm 18. Or oh, I just can't wait until you can hardly stand yourself. You can hardly, you pace the floor like a lion. You're so excited about something that may happen. I panted. I long for thy commandments. That's the man who's very, once again, the word is enthusiastic. You, he cannot hide his enthusiasm for something. And that's the word of God. He loves it more than fine gold. Oh, look at verse 140. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. It's right. It's pure. It's not defiled. It's not mixed with impurities. It's pure. And therefore, I love it because it's like that. That's the name. Well, look at verse 167. 167. My soul, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I, and I love them. Now, the next word he uses, the last word of that verse, number 167, is, I love them, I love his words, exceedingly. How would you say exceedingly? I love something exceedingly. I really, 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 really love that. Now, you may not say it so many times, but if you love something, you know that you love it, and people know that you love it too. I love pizza. Oh, pizza. Mm. What's my favorite brand of pizza? All kinds of pizza. I'm not prejudiced. I love it all. I'm equal opportunity to all kinds of pizza. Thin crust, thick crust, uh, the works, or just cheese. I love pizza. And uh, exceedingly, I love ice cream. Exceedingly. Except some ice cream, it is so sweet. Some ice cream is so sweet, it gives you a headache because it is so sweet. It is so sweet. It is so sweet. You can't even eat it. But I love ice cream. I like Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I love Costco ice cream. I like ice cream bars with chocolate on it. I love ice cream. In fact, I love ice cream so much, I'll have it for breakfast. Not. <laughs> I will not do that. It'll ruin your appetite because you make you sick to your stomach. But uh, he says he loves his word exceedingly. You can tell this man loves. You can tell if a man loves football. You can tell if a man loves baseball. You can tell if a man likes food. You can tell if a man loves good weather. You can tell if a man likes to surf. You can tell if a man loves to just sit around and look at himself in the mirror. <laughs> you can tell. He loves himself exceedingly. <clears throat> well, the writer here says he loves the Bible exceedingly. And so the source of his happiness is because of what he loves. And what you love gives you happiness. What you love gives you happiness because it somehow gives back to you or gives to you. So those are the four things so far about what you find from Psalm 119. You have, number one, what is revealed? The structure of the sea. The character of God. We're going to have a bad quiz on the way home. Number one, the character, the character of, God. of God. The next thing we find is the God's support of God for his people. You also have the strength, strength to, be to be clean. And then you have the source of my, of my happiness. And number five, you have the condition for blessings. This is the fifth thing reviewed in this psalm, the condition for blessings. Go back to chapter, uh, well, Psalm 119, verse number one. That's the beginning. Verse number one and verse number two. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. 
who walk not in the law of the Lord. Responsibility, verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Responsibility. That seek him. Responsibility with the whole heart. You have then the blessings of God that are for you if you are meeting the conditions of being blessed. Be responsible in basic things. Choosing better. Not going down the wrong paths. Seeking him with the whole heart. Not just half a heart, three quarters of a heart. Um, what if, what if someone proposes, a man proposes to a woman, will you open up the box, there's a ring there, it's the size of a grape. A diamond ring, size of a grape. And she goes, ooh, is that for me? He says, no, it's for the dog next to you. No, I'm just kidding you. She says, he says, this is for you. Will you marry me? And she goes, oh. She was hoping this was going to happen. She wasn't sure when he was going to do this because he's dragging his feet. She said, oh, is this for me? It's for you. And he, and he says, I love you with half of my heart. <laughs> I love you with half of my heart. <coughs> and I want to live with you for, for 10 years of my life. The rest I'll live by myself. But I want to live with you for 10 years of my life. And she says, oh. You think she'll say, oh? She'll snap that box out. She'll say, wait a minute. What's going on over here? You want to marry me? You're proposing to marry me? Yes. You love me? Yes. With all of your heart? Um, <laughs> with, with some of my heart. How much of your heart? Um... 60% of my heart. Where's the other 4% belong? He says, um, my mother, my job, and my recreation, and my travels, and my... Uh, she says, and you, want, and, you, and you want me to marry you under that condition? But I love you 60% of my heart. She says, no. I'm not going to marry you if you just love me, 60% of your heart. Love with all your heart or not at all. And she walks away and he says, well, what did I say that was wrong? <laughs> you are an idiot. That's what you are. Now, he says, he says in verse number one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of responsibility. Blessed are they that keep his testament and that seek him with the whole heart. So there is a condition here. You must be sincere. You must not let anything stop you from seeking the Lord with your whole heart. And those who seek me early will find me, Proverbs chapter 3 says. And so the condition of blessings is you have to be responsible. You have to have a whole heart attitude to seek Him. You cannot be up and down like on a seesaw. One day I'm going to seek Him. Next day I'm not going to say, I'm going to go to church Sunday, but you know, only, only twice a month because that's 50% of my Sundays. I owe it to myself to have 50% of my time to myself. Yeah, you know, I work all day. I work six days a week. And so Sunday is my only time I get to rest. I'm going to take two days off, uh, two Sundays off a month. I will seek God with, I hate to say it like this, but only half of my heart. That's not what the Lord wants. He wants your whole heart. Now, people people today are so, the word is narrow-minded or thoughtless. They don't think very deeply. They do something, 
they, they know that there's a few, right? But they do because the reasoning is, well, as I just said, well, I work so hard. I six days, my only day off is on Sunday, so I'll go to church once a month. That's okay because people should understand that I work hard and I need some time to myself. Do you know that the Lord wants to seek him with your whole heart and not just give him the leftovers? But we, we are kind of thinking selfishly. We, we want to, we want God to accept my one quarter of devotion to him on Sunday, which is just what, a couple of hours? That's just a little bit of time in a week. 160 hours compared to two hours, that's nothing. Yet we, we sometimes feel like, you know what? I need more time to myself. Here's what I say, you know what? God gives you time, plenty of time. You have plenty of time. It's a matter of how you use your time, how you manage your time, how you divide your time by your priorities. Is God not important in your life? Well, you answer that question. He says, I'm blessed, I'm happy if I am not defiled, if I walk in the love of the Lord, if I keep his testimonies, if I seek him with the whole heart. Well, that's a very doable list there. It's a very doable list. Don't talk yourself out of being, uh, don't talk yourself out of being in a position for God to bless you. Don't don't cheat yourself out of happiness just because you think you cannot afford to give God some time. And I just use that as an example. That's not the only thing about the life of a Christian that gives you, um, puts you in a position of being blessed by God. There's many other things. Look at verse number thirty, uh, verse fifteen, verse fifteen. I will meditate in thy precepts. I have respect unto thy ways. So here's another condition. Verse 15. Meditation. Meditating upon thy, on his word, thy precepts. A synonym for the Bible. I will meditate on thy precepts. In thy precepts. You have to spend some time thinking about the Bible. You have to spend time thinking about it while you're doing other things. Multitask. Now look at verse number 30. I have chosen the way of truth. I have chosen the way of truth. You have to make decisions that are good for your spiritual life. You cannot always choose the easiest thing to do because it's the easiest thing to do. I'm gonna stay up and watch the video. Well, you can do that. And the video is there for those who are not able to make it, not by choice, but because they're forced to stay home or they're forced to do other things. They have to catch it at another time because they're working. But if you're able to be publicly in church and you choose to stay and watch the video, uh, that's not seeking him. That is not doing your best for him. That is not going all out. Verse 31, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. I have stuck unto thy test. I am determined, I am determined to receive God's blessing, to be in a position to be blessed. I'm going to fulfill the conditions. Look at verse number 33. Teach me, O Lord, thy way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 35, make me to go in the paths of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Now you find in these verses here a real strong desire to, to go, 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 go. Not go as in do, but to be committed. Be committed until the very end of your life. Uh, this is the determination that he has. Look at verse number 40. Verse number 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. I have longed. I really want 
more of it. I really want to be into it. I really want, I long for it. I long for it. You can apply that to longing for many other things that are not wrong to have in life. But he longs to be in the Word of God and to digest more of, more of it. And then look at one more verse. In verse number 51. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. What is that all about? Things are in an upheaval. Things are messed up. My life at this moment is so chaotic. Things are not going right. It seems like God's not answering prayers. It seems like everything is not even going in my direction or any direction. It's going backwards, it seems like. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. You know what that verse is teaching? It's teaching even though things around you are so, so crazy and so out of whack and so backwards and so wrong in some cases and it is just not going it's not a smooth road that I'm on right now it's bumpy full of potholes he says yet have I not declined from that law you know what that's about it's about staying on the right road even though the right road that you're on has potholes it has bumps it's got detours it's got long long red lights you know some red lights on some intersections around here is so long I timed one in Pro City on uh, leaving Walmart Costco Walmart Sam's there's one light there on one little road before you get to the freeway going going east. It's like over three minutes. That's a long time to sit there waiting for the light to change green for you. And sometimes you're stalled in life. Sometimes you just got a red light and you want to move, go, go, go. But you got a red light and you can't proceed. You can't go any further. And you're wondering to yourself, oh, Lord, please make this light turn green fast. And it doesn't turn fast. It's still programmed to go after three minutes. You got to wait it out. And yet, he says, even though that happens, I will not decline from thy law. I will not stop obeying it. I will not stop reading it. I will not stop meditating it. I will stick to the Bible. <clears throat> Too many Christians drop out from reading the Bible or believing the Bible because things aren't going their way. They have an expectation from God to do something for them. They take a promise from the Bible and they say, well, I claim this verse. And then you believe, you think, that because you believe you have faith that God's going to turn something around or it's going to change something for you and it doesn't happen so soon and so you feel bad you feel depressed you feel upset you feel mad even you feel like okay I'm going to try Buddhism next okay I'm going to try Mormonism next okay I'm going to try no 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 it's not the lighting of candles it's not the beach it's not doing this it's not doing that it is not but you getting too anxious and too itchy because things are not your way yet. He says, when that, when that kind of situation goes on, I have not declined from thy law. And that's where you should be. Keep on believing it. Keep on trusting it. One more verse, verse number 93. I will never forget. I will never forget thy precepts. I will never forget it. Even though he goes through trouble, I will never forget it. One more verse, one more verse, one more verse. 102. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. So you have these statements of determined to stick with the Bible, even though things seem like it is not the way it should go. One more verse, last one for sure. Last one. Finally, my brethren, this is the last one, verse 112. I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. 
there you find the writer so determined to stick to the Bible even though he's not happy, even though he doesn't feel like he's blessed, even though he has not seen any victories in his life, even though he's not seen any progress, even though his crops have not come up, even though he's watered, he's weeded, he's washed his field, his crops, and nothing is coming up. It's a bad harvest. He's not going to have any profit this year. He is still going to pray to God. He's still going to trust God. He's not going to say, all right, God, I quit on you because you quit on me. He's not going to do that. Too many people do that. All right, so that's the 119th Psalm. And uh, kind of sketchy tonight, but that's enough for tonight. There's plenty more where that came from right here. Okay, next time we see you, it'll be the new year. So see you next year. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. We pray that you help us to practice what it says and have faith in what you say. Have faith in this word that you've given to us. We pray that you help us, Lord, to look through the circumstances to what the Bible says. And may our faith be strengthened in the new year. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.